Jamie Vassini. So if you're expecting him today, he is gone and on vacation. So I am pitch hitting for Jamie. I'm excited to be able to be here. My name is Jason Piffle. I'm the uh, executive director, which basically means nothing to anybody in this church, but it also, but it does mean that I do things that pretty much nobody ever sees. So all the behind the, te- behind the scenes type of things, that's what I'm in charge of. And uh, it's fun. I love my job. I love what I get to do. So um, glad you guys are here. Uh, we are uh, plugging away through the book of Acts. Uh, if this is your first Sunday with us, we are uh, on chapter four. You can actually access the other three chapters uh, online. If you go to our website, we have podcasts all up there with one exception, uh, but we have them all the rest of them there. And so if you want to go back and listen to these, that would be a great way to get caught up. But today, we are going to be doing uh, Acts chapter 4, and we're going to be starting in verses 23 and going, I believe, to 31. And really, the topic of this passage is prayer. Uh, It's something that a lot of us, if you're anything like me, you might struggle with this whole idea of prayer. Uh, Some of you guys may be like, no, I don't struggle with that at all. But I think this passage will still be extremely stretching for every single one of us this morning. But before we get to that, we really need to set up a little bit of context uh, beforehand. And so uh, what I want to do is kind of give you a rundown of what has actually just happened uh, in the previous 22 verses. So starting at the beginning of chapter 4, the story goes that John and Peter were going into the temple. Uh, There was kind of two areas of the temple. There was an outer court area. Y'all are looking at that slide, and I have no idea why that's up there, so... We'll cut this out of the podcast. How about that? So uh, <laughs> I should start over. Anyway, uh, so at the beginning of the chapter, um, the temple is kind of has an outer court area and an inner court. The outer court area is open for Jew and Gentile alike. The inner court is only for Jewish people who are going in there to make sacrifices to God. Uh, there's a, in the inner part of the inner court, there is a section in there, kind of like doors or archways around. And there's this one called Beautiful. And outside of this one archway is a man who has been coming to this archway probably for decades. His friends carry him because he cannot walk at all. If you guys remember the story, they drop him off and he sits there all day as people are going in and trying to kind of get right with God and he collects money from them and that's how he survives. That is his job. So one day, uh, our friends Peter and John show up on the scene. They walk up to him. They see him, and they say, we don't have any money for you at all. We have nothing, but we do have this. We have Jesus. And they reached down, and they picked him up, and the man began to walk. Here's a man who has been not able to walk, I think. Pretty sure from the very, very beginning, like born with his, maybe his ankles crooked or something like this, he's never in his lifetime walked. So it's not just a matter of a miracle of fixing that problem, but think about it. He doesn't have the muscles to move his legs like a regular person, right? So that's the first issue with this whole thing. The other issue is um, all of a sudden he knows how to walk. If you've ever seen a baby learning how to walk, it takes a long time and lots of falls and lots of panicked parents in the whole process, right? But this guy goes from laying, sitting there, begging for food, somewhat ashamed of what's going on in his life, and he moves from there to jumping and dancing. That had to be shocking, right? To all the people who were there. Extremely shocking. And so, 
he kind of gathers a little bit of attention. Peter and John kind of move on. And imagine they're just kind of walking around the temple, and this guy's following them around everywhere. And they're gathering a crowd because everybody knows who this guy is. Everybody knows what happened to him. And there is this buzz in the temple. So much so that the leaders catch a whiff of this whole thing. And they come out and they confront Peter and John. The problem is they don't have a lot of time to deal with them. So they put them in jail for the night. And like, we're just going to put you in jail for the night. Uh, and then the next morning, we'll get all the leaders together and we'll deal with your problem. And so they get together the next day and they confront uh, Peter and John. Now think about that. These people are the same exact people who confronted Jesus. These are the exact people who a month ago put Jesus up on a cross. And here now, Peter and John are with great boldness proclaiming the gospel to these very people who could just as easily kill them. I would be afraid. Would you all not be afraid if you were in their shoes? But they weren't. They were bold because the Holy Spirit was moving in them and doing some miraculous thing. So the story ends with basically Peter, John, and this man who's just been healed standing right next to them. And they can't really say anything because everybody is super excited about what's going on. And so they threaten them. And here's what they say. If you continue to speak in the name of Jesus, who we don't believe, who we don't believe was resurrected because we're Sadducees. We don't believe in any sort of resurrection of anybody. So we have a major problem with him. We have a problem with him saying that he was God. And so if you continue to speak in the name of Jesus, there's going to be consequences. And if you continue to heal and fix this man's life and other people like him in the name of Jesus, there will be consequences. So that gets us caught up to our passage, our little recap right there. So why don't we go ahead and read it? Uh, we're going to be starting in verse uh, 23 of Acts chapter uh, 4. I'm going to put it up on the screen here behind me, and we're going to cruise through this. And here it is. You guys ready? All right. I'll take that as yes. So, all right. So, when they were released, okay, just talked about that, they went to their friends and they reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by his Holy Spirit. And this is what was said. Why did the Gentiles rage and the prophets plot in vain? And the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, remember who they were, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and plan had predestined to take place. I guess we're on the next slide, aren't we? Slides, they're always a crazy thing. I don't like them. All right, let's read it out of the Bible. I'm going to skip this part. So, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. 
while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of the holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, they, in, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Let me pray real quick. God, I pray that you would do something miraculous in our hearts this morning. I confess personally, God, that I sell you short. I keep you in a box. I make excuses for you, like you need me in some way. God, that is not true. I need you so desperately. We need you so desperately. We need you to change us. We need you to conform our lives to this scripture, which is true. God, that our lives would look like this. So God, I pray that you would do something almighty and amazing this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. All right, so let's kind of go back through this passage. If you've never been to a, a, a church that preaches expository uh, in that method, that's what we're doing here. Uh, we're going to go right through this passage, and we're just going to take little pit stops along the way and talk about all these amazing things that are in this passage so that when you leave, you go, wow, we didn't skip a thing. Everything We talked about pretty much everything in there, at least uh, on a kind of a surface level. So uh, let's go back to verse 23 and pull that up in your Bible. Uh, when they were released, okay, so they were just in prison, they just got a talking to, and they were sent home, and they went, with their, they went to their friends and they reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And the primary thing that the chief priests and elders said to them is, like we just said, don't talk about Jesus. And if you rewind just a little bit, here was the response of Peter and John. I love it. It's a double negative. He says, we cannot not talk about Jesus. I love it. We cannot not heal in the name of Jesus. We just can't do it. We have to do this. And so that's what they told their friends when they went back. And so uh, they went back in uh, verse 28. Or 24, and when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord. So they congregated back, probably in some large room, maybe even the upper room near Jerusalem where Jesus met with the disciples, had the Last Supper, possibly that. Um, but they all met together and they listened to what happened. And then their first response was to what? Was to pray. So life isn't looking too good right now for the early Christians. At this point in time, there's about 5,000 of them. And now this sort of uh, persecution is starting to come their way. Now, if you are anything like me, this is what my first prayer would be. God, I pray that this doesn't happen. God, I pray that like, persecution is not part of the scenario here. That's what I would be pr praying. God, please Please don't take away any of my comfort in life. That's what I would be praying. But they don't do that. They continue on and they pray this. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. This God that they are praying to, they're saying, God, you are so much bigger than all these problems that we have right now. You're gigantic 
You're sovereign. And the reason you're sovereign is because everything I see here is what you have made. Your hand has been upon all this, the heavens, the earth, <coughs> everything. And since you've done that, you could easily interact with me and I can easily trust you because you are in control. Verse 25, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit. All right, so this is what he, they're moving on this passage and they're referencing the Old Testament. This passage that we're going to read here is actually from Psalm chapter 2. Uh, when I first started reading this passage, I thought, oh, well, something happened in the Old Testament. And now they're kind of connecting them to what's happening currently. But I think it actually is um, almost exclusively prophetic. So Psalm chapter 2, if you read it, it's all really talking about Jesus and making these connections. But the one thing I don't want you to miss is this idea of the, that Jesus, or David spoke through, or the Holy Spirit spoke through David. And I don't want you to miss that. Because so many times when we read our Bibles and we think about the Bibles, we forget that this is the Word of God. That this was spoken through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit spoke through people. But this is what God wants us to know. And this is a very important thing. There's a couple passages, I think 2 Timothy 3.16, you guys can look that up, talks about the very thing that the scripture is God breathed, that the Holy Spirit moved through people. And that is an amazing thing. Uh, 2 Peter 1.21 also says this, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So God is definitely at work. He was in work in the Old Testament. He is currently at work now, and he is moving. <coughs> and now this passage is being connected to Jesus and what is happening currently. Here it is. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus. Here we go. They were unified against Christ, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. So all of these people that are referenced by the mouth of Jesus that would be, or by the mouth of David that would be opposed to Jesus are these people. Herod, Pontius Pilate, the guards, the Gentile people, the people who yelled, crucify him. And that's what this Psalm 2 is really referring to. And this is prophecy coming true. But I don't want you to miss the next verse. Verse 28 says this, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. None of this is a surprise to God. None of it is. What I think is amazing about this is that we believe that God is omniscient, which means he knows everything, right? And he's always known everything. He's known that this whole thing was going to happen before Adam and Eve were ever created. Before time ever existed, God knew that this is what would happen because he's sovereign and he's all-powerful and he knows it. But yet God chose to send his son because of his great love for people, his great love for humanity, his great love for, human, for people like us. He sent Jesus. 
to pay for our sins so that we don't have to pay for them ourselves. This is an amazing, amazing miracle. It is an amazing picture of the heart of God. This should radically change who we are. This should change our affections 100%. To live for anything but Jesus is not enough. And so God is in control. All these things that are happening are in his hands. This last week in our community group, we had a conversation about this. One of the things that came up was, is it possible, it's a little speculative, that Jesus walked by the lame man at the gate going into the temple? How many times did Jesus walk by the man who needed to be healed and didn't heal him? How many times did that happen? What did the lame man think? Jesus is off healing everybody else, but he's not healing me. What's up with that? But God had a plan. And part of the plan was that this man would be healed at this time so that these things would transpire and that the people would respond in prayer. They would respond and be like, God, you are doing amazing things. Look what happened to this man. He's standing right here with us. He's hanging out with us. This is amazing. But none of this was a surprise to who God was. Which led to their prayers. Uh, verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. God, you know that we're being threatened. You know that this is a reality, but we're not saying to take it away. Notice how that's not in there? God, consider our threats and please take care of our enemies. Would you please? That would be amazing. It doesn't exist in there, right? God, we are really fearful of what might happen to us and to our families. We might die. And after this, thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of Christians have died for their faith, have been persecuted, and all kinds of heinous things have happened to believers. And this is on the horizon for them, but they don't ask God to take it. I think that's amazing. I think that's shocking. But they do say this. Here's what they ask. Because they know that God is sovereign, and they got, know that God is in control of all things, they say, grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. We cannot not talk about Jesus. We just can't. It's impossible. Because of his great love for us, and what he has done for us on the cross, and that he is alive and well because of the resurrection. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father. We cannot not talk about him. So God, I pray you would give us more boldness, right? So the very thing that they were in trouble for, they're asking God for more of that, please. That's what we want. More that gets us in trouble even more, please. And then he goes on, verse 30, while you stretch out your hand to heal. It's the work of God. It's not the work of Peter. It's not the work of John. But we're like, uh, more please. We would like more of that. That would be great. And signs and wonders performed 
again, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus, the one that we're not supposed to talk about. That's what we want you to do. So I think a lot of times prayer, at least for me, and you might be able to relate with this, I bring a lot of prayer requests to God that are things that I want, are things that I desire, um, problems that I have with my life. Um, I tend to, um, my first reaction is not necessarily to pray, but to complain. That's kind of how I function in life. And this to me is so eye-opening. And I think to myself, why can't my life be like this? Why can't our lives be like that? Where we pray knowing that God is sovereign and amazing and over all. Two, that we pray for boldness to be able to talk to people around us about Jesus because we cannot not talk about him. Our family, our friends, the stakes are way too high to not talk about him. And I think the last one, which I think we really sell God short, is we don't pray that God would move in miraculous ways. Because in somehow in our brain, brain we've justified that's the book of Acts, and this is different today. It's not the same, right? God doesn't do that anymore. He doesn't function like that anymore. It's different. And I'm here to tell you today, I've been really convicted by this, and I feel like a lot of times when I pray, I give God an out. And I say, God, I, I really pray that you would do blah, blah, blah. But only if it's your will. Which is true, just true. I don't want to do anything outside of God's will. But I think it's God's will that people would come to faith. I don't have to give God an out on that one. Anything that's found in this Bible, I can, I can pray with boldness, right? Because I know that my heart is aligned with what his heart is. I don't have to make excuses for God, why he didn't come through, like this man at the temple. I don't have to make the excuses for him and say, well, I'm sorry Jesus walked by you 20 times and didn't heal you. Sorry for him. I wish Jesus would have done something for you. I don't have to do that because I know that God is sovereign and God has a plan, right? And I trust in that. Verse 31, last one here. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. What if that happened? What if we sat here today and we prayed these things and we did it in such a way where this room was shaken? Really easy for God to do. God is so much bigger. If you think about, if you roll it back to the crucifixion, you roll it back to the time in which Jesus died on the cross, what was one of the results of that? The earth was shaken. I think that was to show that God was very real. This thing that happened was very real. Perk up and notice. And I think in this situation, it's very similar, except for I would add this, I think it was a sense of assurance for the people where they sat back and they prayed in the Holy Spirit and they prayed things that were aligned with God's heart and God said, I hear you. And this place shook. I don't think it's metaphorical. I don't think it's my, they're shook, it shook in their hearts. You know what I mean? That's how most of the time we would probably say, oh yeah, they were shaken. They were stirred. They were, uh, they were motivated to speak with boldness. I think it was physically, it shook. 
because God flexed just a little bit because he's sovereign and all-powerful. And as a result of that, the last part of the verse, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's what they did, their response. They continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I think that's an amazing response. They didn't leave. Peter and John didn't leave. They knew that they needed to be there in Jerusalem to unify the church, to say, we're all in this together. We're not going back to Galilee and let you guys deal with us on your own. We're going to hang here. We're going to be with you. We are going to have these experiences together as Jesus launches his church forward. And so the people responded with boldness. They went back to the temple, and they told more people about Jesus, and more people were healed. It was amazing. It was an amazing, amazing time. And when I think about us in the world that we live here in Petrie City, in Noonan, and Fayetteville, and Tyrone, and Sonoy, when I think about this, sometimes I wonder if our livelihood gets in the way that we have such a desire for comfort, that we have such a desire for control of our lives, that we think that we are the, the sovereign over our own kingdom, that God just allows us to continue doing that. That God sits back and says, if you want to be that, I'm going to let you be that. But I want more for you. I want more. There is more. I think to think that as a Christian, so I've been a Christian since I was 17, I'm almost 47 now, it's a long time, and when I think about my life now, um, as a 17-year-old, I could have said, ah, Jason of 47, yeah, you might be tracking with Jesus and doing well, that's it. But I look at my life now as a 40, almost 47-year-old, and I go, I think there is so much more out there. Not things heretical, not goofy, crazy things, but things that God is just putting in front of us and saying, this is what my word says. You can have it. You can have a life like this. You can be so close to Jesus that it just changes everything. And that's what we want. That's what I want for every single person in this room. I think... And it's not that I want it, it's that God wants that. I think God wants us to be bold. I think he wants us to have conversations that we think even just maybe went really terrible the last time. Or to have conversations that we're just way too scared to have in life with our friends and family. I think God's saying, pray for boldness. They prayed for boldness and look what they did. They just kept on a trucking and they talked to people about Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is such a treasure for us. Why would we hoard it and keep it to ourselves? Right along those lines, I think praying and that God would do amazing things. Some of the things in my life that I remember, um, quite a few pretty major mile markers in life. I remember the birth of my children. Those are things that are etched in my mind, good and bad, that will never leave my brain. Um, I have uh, the marriage 
being married to my wife, that whole thing, it's etched in my brain forever. Uh, sitting on a bus, coming to faith, something I will never forget ever. Um, sitting down with people uh, like ones at coffee and having them say, I need Jesus in my life. And going from death to life to being spiritually made new is something that's happened a few times in my life with other people that I will never, ever forget. And I think it came because God is sovereign, and I just rested in him and his working, and whatever happened, happened. And I think that's how we should function. I, I would love to see more of that. I would love to pray that more people would come to faith in Jesus. If you've never experienced that, that is an amazing moment to see people cross from death to life, to move into the family of God that is life-changing for the person primarily, for if you get to experience that and be that with that person. But it all starts with prayer.